hey welcome back to the studio uh hybrid today so you jamie are with me yeah uh, and we have megan dialing in from the interweb so quick hellos i'm ian editor-in-chief of internet retailing who are you jamie i'm jamie merrick and i work at salesforce but more importantly megan welcome uh from the internet tell everyone who you are Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Jamie. Um, my name is Megan Maley, and I am the GM for the Benelux and UK and Ireland region for Zalando. I'm very excited to join you today. Wow. Now, well, fantastic. I mean, last time um, we saw each other in real life, uh, Megan, was at Shop Talk, where uh, you wowed everybody with um, an overview of Zalando. And I think I left and there was still a queue 20 people long waiting to talk to you. So this is the queue-free access all areas. Um, now, you know I'm a big fan of Zalando, and we followed them as um, a digital phenomenon uh, for many, many years. Um, but maybe for anybody who's either out of the core age group uh, or maybe isn't as familiar, mm -hmm. just kick us off by giving us a thumbnail of Zalando overall, and then how it's translated into the UK. Great. Yes, thank you. And that was indeed a great experience. Um, I really enjoyed being interviewed by you at Shop Talk. Um, so yeah, let me tell a bit about Zalando for those who are maybe not as familiar with us. Um, Zalando is really the leading European online platform for fashion and lifestyle. And really what we do is we connect brands and retailers um, to the platform where they can then sell their, their fashion and beauty products to 49 million active customers across Europe. And that's in 25 different countries. And then likewise, we connect those 49 million customers to a huge, uh, you know, a plethora of brands. We have 5,800 brands currently, and that translates into about one and a half million items on site. And so it really connects, you know, this incredible assortment to customers who love fashion and beauty. And um, yeah, I think one of the other big things that we focus on is, is also, of course, sustainability. We have a very large range of more sustainable products. I think it's about 150,000 items and, um, and that's, you know, growing. And so we really try to also connect our customers with, you know, products that match their values and the choices that they want to make around shopping fashion. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really an incredible platform. We really focus on both, obviously, the assortment and offering, but also inspiration and advice on, you know, fashion, beauty and lifestyle. So that's a little bit wow. about us. Yes, I, I'm, I'm boggling at some of those numbers. Mm. Uh, 49 million customers. Active customers. Active customers, correct. Yeah. Um, 5,800 brands, extraordinary. But if I step back 30 paces, um, what, what category do I put you in? Because some of the things you say sound like a marketplace. Some sound like a retailer. You have your own products, partner products. Um, how would I describe this 25 country entity? What What is it? <laughs> yes, um, I think the, the best kind of description word would obviously be to be a platform. So we are a platform where we where the brands have the opportunity to obviously bring their products together. And um, it's it is a partnership, I would say. So it's definitely not, you know, a platform where brands come on and they are on their own. Um, the partnership is really around how we accompany the brands and the retailers in order to be successful and to obviously scale their businesses into new markets as well. 
Um, one of the big benefits that we offer to partners um, with who join us through the partner program is that they are obviously able to expand their offering across 25 different markets. And some of these are markets which probably would be challenging to organically enter, you know, just with your own e-commerce or your own direct-to-consumer business. And so what we do is we really support them in on obviously accessing these customers, but then also with the marketing services that we have, um, Zalando Fulfillment Services, helping them to have different um, tools to better bring new customers to their brand, to get their brand um, more top of mind knowledge within the market, and also to help them logistically to be able to, to take these markets on because that's also obviously a, a challenge that many brands face. So I think it, it's a platform that offers a high level of partnership um, and helps really our, our partners to have an easy and cost-effective way to gain access to new customers and to yeah, scale their, their businesses. So this is a big deal at the moment. Uh, we saw in our Global 1000, uh, the Global Elite, that 616 of the thousand are brands, brands saying direct. Um, and of course, these brands are looking at marketplaces, platforms, partnerships, franchising, wholesale. You know, they're trying to do uh, everything and anything um, in order to expand their business. So when we look at the Zalando platform, um, if I look at it from the brand perspective, how is my experience different? and better with you than, for example, ringing up another marketplace, getting my customer success director, being told I'm loved, and I can use their fulfillment. Um, you know, these are similar words. What, what, where's the secret sauce, the sprinkles that um, I wouldn't know until I start working with you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, there are a lot of options for, for brands today to work with different platforms or with marketplaces. Um, I think maybe first taking a step back and, and why, why would they want to work with one to begin with? And then, and then maybe why was Zalando? Um, you know, coming from a brand, obviously, uh, you know, knowing that brands today, they really are focusing on the direct-to-consumer um, offense that most of uh, brands are, are looking at. I think that uh, the pandemic also accelerated that in the case of a lot of brands where potentially they didn't have a strong direct-to-consumer digital business in the past. And that maybe accelerated significantly during during COVID. Um, at the same time, you know, there is a, I think, an acknowledgement amongst brands that this is also, it's an expensive thing to do as well. You have to pay for the traffic. You have to find ways to, to build um, your own direct-to-consumer um, ecosystem. And that it isn't just because you have a website doesn't mean people are going to automatically go there. Um, and obviously what a platform offers is this high quality traffic of customers that are looking for a specific thing, um, in this case, fashion and beauty. And this brings a high level of traffic that then you can benefit from. And if we kind of extrapolate this, you know, in, back in you know, the 80s and 90s, when I was first starting out in retail, there was the big question of, you know, do you have both a store on the high street and also in the mall? Because the mall was where the traffic was and the high street, you had to try to bring the traffic to you. And I think what we see now is, you know, you wouldn't imagine now to have a store on a high street and not be in a mall. And likewise, you wouldn't imagine to have a direct-to-consumer ecosystem that is potentially stores and online, but then not also be where the traffic is and where the customer is and be in their path. And so that's why being on a platform today is an important place for brands to be. Um, and I think there's a, a clear acknowledgement that this is the case. I think from there, it's which one? And obviously, not all platforms are created equal. Um, I think both in terms of geography 
geography. Um, some have strengths in certain geographies and, and others. Obviously, there's also categories. And what Zalando, I think what we're very clear that we're extremely strong in is it's Europe, you know, 25 countries across all of Europe and it's fashion and beauty and lifestyle. And so being very, very focused on these key categories allows us to be extremely authentic in these areas. Um, and because this is the only areas that we focus in versus maybe some multi-category platforms, there's acknowledgement that, you know, this is that we have high areas of expertise and authenticity. I think what we then do um, is not just focus on, as I mentioned, the, the ways we accompany partners on the platform, but also how we inspire customers around fashion, because this is quite unique. And I think this is what's unique about Zolando. You know, we are very focused on, on fashion inspiration. I think I mentioned when we talked at Shop Talk, we have the Style Creator Program where we have 400 influencers across Europe that are extremely influential people within style and fashion. Um, and what they do is basically they're able to shop our collections on a, on a seasonal basis, create you know hundreds, thousands of looks that then inspire our customers with people that they that they are aspiring to be like um, uh, with with fashion. And you know there are many, many different ways that we are doing this. This is just one of them. But this creates, I think, this um, this high level of authenticity in fashion that you don't find elsewhere. Yes, I love that. I love the expertise, the authenticity, and the involvement of the human, even as you're leveraging that with technology. Mm. Um, Jamie, have you been invited to be one of the influencers? <laughs> I don't remember seeing the invite, but listen, I, I'll check, double check my inbox yes, again. So check, <laughs> check your spam filter, indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. That feels reassuring. But Megan, I, I know that we're not exactly the, uh, the centre of the uh, target for your customers. So let's maybe just um, temporarily and parochially focus on the UK um, and uh, just tell us how um, the Zalando pan-European formula uh, has either been amended, extended, changed, influenced by the UK. So how do you fit in and how is that different, a different flavour uh, from the other 24 countries, if, if at all? Sure, I can definitely um, talk a little bit about the UK and then maybe even expand upon it with some of the other markets um, that I look after because, you know, I have a very, I would say, uh, diverse cluster of countries. So Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, UK and Ireland. Some similarities, I would say not not a lot. <laughs> yeah, why, why those? Why those? It sounds like the weirdest commute <laughs> involving ferries <laughs> across the North Sea and then back by train. Indeed. Um, there's there's definitely some different logistic challenges depending on which markets I'm looking at. Um, I would say, I, I'm trying to think back at how these exact, this was all part of a Northern European cluster at one point. The Nordics were part of that at one time as well. Now they are their own um, entity. Um, yeah, I think that, I think there's a couple of reasons. Also, potentially my expertise. I, I lived also in the Netherlands for some years. I was working in France for a number of years. We can talk about a bit about that later. Um, but uh, and then also based in the UK and Ireland for probably the last ten years. So um, maybe my expertise on these particular markets was part of shaping this as well. Um, but uh, let's see, let's go back to the UK. So UK market, obviously, it's a very um, challenging and highly contested uh, market for e-commerce. And Zalando, I think one of our, um, yeah, one of our strengths within this market is definitely the offering of international brands. 
Um, I think that that's everything from, you know, brands all across Europe, all of the big international players have a very, very large and I think high level assortment as well. When we think of those kind of top 20 international brands. Um, and I think that's really what we, we offer here in the market where there's, you know, quite a focus on either mono-branded um, e-commerce retailers um, or multi-branded, but potentially with more focus on UK brands. Um, one other thing that obviously is really interesting here in the UK, especially for UK brands, is being able to leverage Zolando to expand into Europe. And so we work with, I would say, a, a number of UK brands who potentially don't have a large footprint in terms of a stores or even e-commerce um, direct-to-consumer um, in mainland Europe. And so what Zolando allows them to do is to really have a, a better and, and kind of strengthen their presence in mainland Europe, especially in key markets like Germany, France, um, potentially in the Nordics as well. And so it tends to be, a, you know, we as Zolando in the UK, there's a, I think what we offer customers is this very, you know, interesting um, and expansive assortment that we then um, also bring to life, as I mentioned, through this kind of high level of fashion authenticity, um, partnering with style creators. We work with the British Fashion Council as well. Um, and then, of course, working with the UK brands. And that's something that I focus on a lot here in the UK specifically. Um, if I think about then, you know, some of the other markets, they all have their own <laughs> specificities. Um, maybe a, a bit more mature also for Zalando. So if I look at um, the Netherlands and Belgium, both countries where we've been present for more than 10 years, we're celebrating 10 years in Belgium this year. And here it's a little bit more, I would say, about yeah, deepening relationships with the customers. We have a very large customer base in these, in these markets and um, really focusing on unlocking new you know, propositions as well, whether that be beauty, um, our loyalty program, et cetera. So I mean, think, thinking about your, the customers across those different territories, and it does sound a mighty complex job, by the way, so congratulations for doing what you do. Um, but what, what, what are the key differences that you could really say about uh, the, the needs of those customers that you have to address in a different way based off the single platform and brand that you have? Yes, um, you know, localization is one of the biggest focuses, I would say, of my team. So I've, first of all, I have teams that sit across each of these markets that are fully dedicated to each market. Um, that's really important, I would say, in terms of obviously the linguistic component, but also understanding things such as pricing. You know, we're using different currencies in various markets. We're working with different logistics partners in every market. So it's extremely important, first of all, to understand what is the value proposition that is going to be right for each market. That's everything from above the line marketing all the way through to last mile delivery payment methods. Um, and so we're, we're very focused with each of these teams on how we create this, you know, beginning to end, you know, value proposition by market. Um, and how we determine that is obviously through data and understanding the customers through the data and the analytics that we have based on our existing customers. Obviously, data in new markets, for example, that we get that we can, you know, look at buy purchase to understand what are the habits of these customers in these markets, but to understand um, exactly what kinds of differences that we can see and then how we know our customers better to serve them. And um, I would say, you know, if I, if I want to kind of take a couple of examples, um, maybe if we look at Ireland, so this is a much newer market for Zalando. We opened in 2018. Um, and it's a market where we are still really trying to build our top of mind awareness so that customers understand who is Zalando. You know, what is this brand? What do we stand for? Who are we? So we're still really building brand recognition and then really trying to 
share what is our offering, who are we, you know, how, who are the brands that we offer, how, what is the convenience proposition, et cetera. And that's a very, very different, um, I would say, activity than what I would do in Belgium, where it's a very mature market. Um, everyone knows who is Zalando, so it's not trying to say who is Zalando, but it's more trying to then focus on those very deep customer relationships and you know, understanding which customers, for example, are interested in designer versus which customers are interested in sport and trying to have this extremely targeted sort of way to work with our customers. So um, depending on the maturity of the market, um, their knowledge of our, of our brand, obviously a very different approach, different marketing campaigns, um, and different kind of entire go-to-market um, proposition. So that's why I think it's extremely important to have these teams that truly know and, and serve the customers. So just as a quick follow-on to that, when you when you come in and start your day, well, it's Monday today, isn't it? I think it's <laughs> a bit lost track of time. But um, do you kind of go, well, the UK is easy. That's, I, don't, I don't have to worry about the UK because that's blah, blah, blah. Or Belgium's you know, really difficult or whatever it may be. Is, there, is, is it as simple as that? Or, or is it just the complexities in a mature market versus an emerging market like Ireland, for example? Or by customer just, segment. By segment. Is it just different, as it were, rather than one's easier than the other? Yes, I, th I think indeed it's, uh, I think we could only say different, it would be the answer. Um, I think in general, um, we, as I think we can acknowledge that, uh, it, you know, the economy in general is not easy at the moment. So I think there are probably a few people who go into work on a Monday and think, wow, this is, uh, this is easy. But that's the challenge is obviously exciting. Um, obviously, we had a, a strong phase of, of ex a strong growth over the last couple of years. Um, that was based on, I think, some markets that were new and becoming more mature. And then also, obviously, the, the tailwinds from the pandemic. And as you probably know from speaking with other guests, you know, this is a more challenging time in general for, for e-commerce and for, for commerce in general. So I think on a Monday, you know, you're thinking about... Um, yeah, you're looking at the numbers, thinking, how are we doing, um, going in and, and then trying to look at what is the data telling me, what are our customers telling us, and how can we do continue to do better. And um, each market has a different version of what better is, but that's what our teams are, are really focused on. Great. Now, um, our listener gets annoyed when I do a segue without <laughs> uh, depressing the clutch, but it seems as if we're at a point where um, you've mentioned market and economic challenges, absolutely. You touched earlier on um, sustainability, so I'd like to bring that back again. And also the spectre of um, changes to what we used to lord as the fast fashion sector. So it does seem to me as if you've got general economic malaise and concern um, maybe a maturing customer that's thinking, I don't want fast fashion anymore. Discuss, I, I don't have the facts on that. And also, there's a customer that's saying, um, I would like to, you know, I can't consume my way to sustainability. I need a more sustainable approach baked in. So if you take all of these three things together, um, could you maybe just pick the two of them out, which are, let's talk about sustainability and your work on that, which is really exciting. But also then, does that talk to all segments of your customer base or are there distinctive groups that are going off in a sustainability direction or not? World's worst question, 
feel free to <laughs> <laughs> answer as you wish. <laughs> that, that is a low watermark in terms of rubbish questions. It's well, lucky we've only got a listener, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Sorry, Megan. Sustainability, yes, yes. headwinds. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, um, I'll work my way through this one, but thanks, Ian. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, sustainability is, is clearly of extreme importance. And I, I think we can all agree that climate change is the most important, I would say, global topic of our time. I don't think anyone lives anywhere where this is not something that we will be encountering and and feeling um, the challenges of. And so, and fashion is, is a contributor of that. And I think that's where we, being the you know starting point for fashion or the leading platform for fashion and lifestyle here in Europe, we have a very, very clear job to do in terms of leading the industry and, and really driving and leading on sustainability. So, yeah, so what are we doing? Um, I think the good news is that, I, I think Zalando, I've been at Zalando for a bit over a year, now. However, Zalando has been focused on sustainability for much longer than that. So we already have some pretty clear, um, I would say some some great results so far. Basically, in I think it was 2017, um, we basically put a stake in the ground as a country, a company saying that we wanted to have this do more strategy, which was all about really diminishing the carbon footprint. Um, since that has happened in 2017, we've already reduced the carbon footprint of the company by over 61%. And that's just the beginning because obviously we have 40% more to go. Um, but I think we can see that by putting a clear stake in the ground, this is the only way that we can make progress. We have to make very bold goals in order to eventually achieve those. Um, we also made some very clear, I think put some pretty clear goals around sustainability in terms of our assortment. Because what we see is that our customers want to shop more sustainably, but they want to be, they need to be able to do that by first of all, having an assortment they can shop from, and then also being able to know what is sustainable or what is more sustainable and what isn't. And so one of the biggest things that we've been very focusing on is first of all, providing a more sustainable assortment. So we doubled our more sustainable um, product assortment from I think 80,000 to more than 140,000 um, SKUs in just one year. And what that is translated to is that we've gone from 16% of our GMV, our gross merchandise value being more sustainable products to almost 22% in just one year's time. Wow. So the more that we create, the, put the assortment there for the customers, the more they want to buy it. But likewise, what we really try to do is make it easy for them to shop. And so on site, what you'll see um, both on, on the website as well as the app, all of the more sustainable products are clearly flagged, but then you can also filter for specific areas of sustainability. So whether that's um, you know, clean water preservation, if it's being vegan, if it's around workers' rights, you can really filter for the values that are most important for you and make sure that you find an assortment that fits that. So I think that's one, first of all, one way that we, we focus on making those choices easier for the customers. Um, another way that I would say we've really focused on trying to do that is through adding an element of circularity. And what we see, you, you asked the question, Ian, around does this apply to all customers? And what we see is actually pretty uniformly across our customer base, people are interested in sustainability. It's not just the very young um, and that when people have the option... They, and they can have the clear option, they, they go for it. But one thing that we've definitely seen, especially amongst the younger customers, is this very strong interest in circularity. You've obviously seen the rise of sort of the secondhand or pre-loved, I think, within 
you know, various areas of the fashion industry. And what Zalando has now created since 2019 is we have our own point of view on, on circularity, which is our pre-owned category. This is really, what's really, I think, unique about this is, is in general, when customers want to buy pre-owned product, it's either through physical retail, through maybe the charity shop network, or through some C2C, um, you know, platforms where you're basically buying and, and trading and selling customer, consumer to consumer. Um, and But there are very few places, at least I don't really know of any, where you can buy both secondhand fashion as well as new fashion um, in the same place, making those orders in the same. So I can be ordering some new fashion that I might need for my daughter for back to school, and then also buying potentially some secondhand items for myself. And all of that on one transaction within one website using one payment method. And um, this is really, I think, quite unique. Also in terms of the way that you trade in and the sustainability aspect there, um, it's a very simple and I think straightforward action. So I can just basically put product that I no longer want in a box, send it to Zalando. They will then say how much they believe they can sell it for and then basically will sell it. And then I can either receive, um, I can I can then use that, what, what is sold for to buy fashion again on Zalando or I can donate that to charities in the sustainability area. And so I think this is a very, very unique proposition around circularity that doesn't exist elsewhere. It's amazing. It is amazing. But I'm torn. I'm yes. torn as a customer. I'm <laughs> thinking, yeah, great, do it. Yeah. Your problem. And then with my retailer hat, I'm thinking, oh, my God, is my problem. So uh, in a world where supply chain is suffering and you're trying to cope with shortages, war, Brexit, post-pandemic, etc., um, you've taken on an incredible responsibility here around, if you like, authenticating or at least uh, amplifying people's claims around, you know, fair wages, anti-slavery, use of uh, their profits, etc. Uh, how on earth are you coping with uh, that level of supply chain assurance, then visibility, um, and then the merchandising front end. It seems to me like you have three enormous problems there. I hope it wasn't easy to solve and we've just missed it. Is there? <laughs> uh, what was the approach there? Because it's quite a mighty undertaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that indeed the fashion sector is under stress from some of the supply chain challenges that you mentioned. Um, obviously, sustainability is is continues to be a big question as we just discussed. And... I think that what's great about Zalando as a, as a platform, we do have, I would say, a bit more agility in these challenging times, especially, as you mentioned, these supply chain constraints that we have. Um, what has been helpful is obviously being able to be obviously a retailer, so at least do, you know, buy and, and sell products from brands. But then also as a platform, the brands can also really step in and adapt their assortment to what customers are, are looking for. Um, and I think this is where we will be more agile potentially than other retailers might be. What we see is, for example, brands are able to respond pretty quickly to, you know, do we see changes in customer behavior around price points, around um, buying differently in terms of seasonality based on, you know, the consumer confidence that we see. And they can then respond by tailoring their offer and saying, okay, maybe we will offer slightly lower price points or we will offer the you know back to school assortment earlier because people are thinking about that at a different time and this is where i think we've already seen the strength of the 
of the platform. If I look at um, our Q1 results, you know, we are now over 30% of our business comes from partners. And in some of markets, like in the Benelux, this is even higher than that. And so, um, you know, I think this agility that we have will help us to be able to react potentially um, in a better way to some of these challenges. But of course, that said, you know, we are not uh, either, um, you know, sheltered from them completely. I don't think anyone is. Mm. Just extending that thing about customer behavior, you said that nice story about how you showed products that were more sustainable, or, you know, and, and therefore the sales went up as a result. Are you finding the position you're taking as a business is uh, filtering out uh, um, to the partners and businesses that you work with to create your overall offering? Are they following your lead? Do you see them more as a result of what you're doing as the standard bearer? Absolutely. Um, I think when we we share obviously this data with our partners, um, both you know we also put it in the earnings releases, so this is open to the public. But the more that they see that yes, if you put the assortment here and you clearly you know flag the benefits of this assortment, that customers will gravitate towards this. It also inspires them to to create more sustainable assortments and to bring those to life and to make sure that those benefits are able to be clearly explained to the customers. I think one thing is is really important is to is to work with them to understand what can what what do you want to say about these products? How do you want them to be brought to life? And that's how we work with them in terms of you know bringing them onto the platform. But then we also work with Zalando Marketing Services to be able to tell those stories. And we have some sustainable brands that we work with that then really work with our marketing services to be able to tell both on site and on app what is the story of their brand? What is why should customers be interested in their sustainability story? Um, I can probably think of a couple of examples I can share, but um, I would need to check. But um, but in, yeah, indeed, this is the, I think this is how we can continue to expand it and create this sort of, I guess, virtuous cycle circle of, um, you know, more sustainable products, more customers looking for sustainable products. So right now, um, our listener will be thinking, uh, that's enough of Ian and Jamie. Uh, let me fire up LinkedIn and check out Megan's CV because I want a job and I want to know how <laughs> I get a job like that. So um, should we just save them the effort, Megan? Just just tell us a little bit about how you got to Zalando because, um, you know, you've had a, a brand background most recently. Uh, so Give us the, the sketch of how you got where you are and then tell us you know, what the big difference is between being brand side and being retailer platform, pan-European, multi-company, uh, multi-country. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Um, yes, as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, I'm not born in the UK. I'm actually from the US originally. I grew up uh, in the Midwest in Wisconsin. And, you know, my journey in this area in retail and beauty and fashion started very, very early. I was working in retail, um, you know, when I was a student, working in stores, um, and I developed, I would say, a passion for for retail. Specifically, I was working in sporting goods, so it's also sport was a big part of my background. Um, but uh, that was sort of one of the red threads. And when I moved to Europe, I think it was about almost 20 years ago, um, I was working at first in the pharmaceutical industry and then I worked in beauty. One of my first jobs um, in France was working for a very sustainable beauty company. And it was always sort of the red thread was 
I think, cus customer centricity. So it was always about how can I know my customer and serve them. And so whether that was working in retail stores, um, working in pharmaceutical industry, beauty industry, and then eventually um, I started working for Nike. I worked for Nike for 16 years. I started in France. I was working, I think, in France for almost six years for Nike and then moved to the UK, moved to the Netherlands. Um, and, you know, that 16-year trajectory that was across multiple, I would say, commercial functions in the beginning. So sales, retail, merchandising, um, and then eventually moving into general management, where I spent the last five years. It was really, yes, understanding customers, serving them better, creating an emotional bond, creating trust with them, and then creating, I would say, value propositions with whatever product it was that I was then at that point you know, working on to really be able to, um, to develop that. And bringing that across different markets has been something I'm really passionate about. And I love the challenge of a new market, learning, the, you know, learning about the customer, learning how to serve them, and um, kind of connecting those dots. And that's really what I've been doing. So the last two decades was really about brands. Um, I really enjoyed that journey. And I think after you know, 20 years or so working always for brands, it was really, I felt like it was time to do something different. And I was always very intrigued by this uh, world of platforms, I would say, and seeing this as sort of a big part of the future. And uh, Zalando at the time and still is a big partner for Nike and so one that was very respected. And so Zalando really was someone that I looked at as, hey, this is actually, it really is a, it's a platform, but it's also fashion, it's beauty and mm -hmm. sport. It, um, it wasn't just multi-platform, sell everything. And so I was very attracted to the brand. And I really wanted to learn and, and challenge myself, I think, personally and professionally. And coming to Zalando has been exactly that. I would say a very big learning curve, but also something I wanted to do for myself to prepare myself for the next, you know, 20 years of my career. Yeah. Now, if you were talking to uh, an even younger person and they were asking your advice um, about moving into the world of these new platforms that have a finger in every pie and in fact are increasingly making the pies and mm. the pastry and everything as well mm -hmm. so we'll take for granted they've got a good education passion etc etc as you look to the next 20 years is there an attribute that you'd be looking for in your successor or your successor successor that is going to fit them intelligent capable applied as they are for this next phase of retail where you've painted a picture of data rich um you know flexible storytelling high contact platforms what was the secret sauce you'd be looking for amongst 20 equally brilliant successors that's a great question. And as I build my team, I, I do think about that a lot um, because I have a lot of very young people working with me, which I think is a real, um, I think it's a gift because I learn from them so much. Um, you know, I'm in my 40s and when I, you know, I'm working with people that are in their early 20s and, you know, 30s and and it's a very different lived experience so far. What They they grew up with smartphones, they grew up with the internet and and I didn't, you know, and, and these are, yeah. <laughs> these generational differences are probably even more pronounced as we go forward. Um, so I, I think what's really important and what I would look for in the successor is really no different than probably what the person who hired me, um, you know, 20 years ago in my first jobs was, which is, 
whatever means you have, whether that's data, whether that's AI, whether that's all the different technologies we will have in the future, is to use that to better understand the customer and, and to really understand what is it that they need, how can we serve them better, what do they need but they don't know it yet. I think that's always the classic example. You know, it's like the the iPod was always the classic example of no one knew that they wanted all of their CDs, you know, in one tiny thing in your pocket until suddenly it existed. You know, and I think it's it's yeah. it's it's knowing what they need now and anticipating what they will need in the future and try and being passionate and obsessed with that. That is what I think will be today, tomorrow, in the past. It's always been what makes people who work in this industry in retail strong. Um, and there will just be different tools in the future and, and nothing really more than that. Um, so that's what I would look for. I think, how do you get there? Maybe one thing, people always ask me, you know, why, how did you do this going from Wisconsin to working in Europe and all of these things? And I, I think it's sort of like the example I used earlier around, you know, the, the mall or the platform and being in the path of the customer. I think putting yourself in the path of where you want to be. Um, I knew I wanted to be in Europe. I knew I wanted to be in this industry and sort of provoking your destiny, getting your foot in the door, however it is, you know, doing some courses or getting yourself there. I knew if I could just make it to Europe, I could somehow stay there. I just needed to get there. And I think this is also what I would just encourage young people to do is if you have an idea of where you want to be and in which area to, um, Put yourself there. Put yourself in that path because that's when you can unlock these mm. opportunities in the future. Oh, I love the idea of you know putting yourself in the path, but I think what's coming out of this is a very clear maker. So you start off knowing things, but learning to know more things with a direction is you know I think a very modern requirement. Uh, well, look, Megan, we've covered so much stuff. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. As you are about to hang up and leave the digital studio, mm. uh, what's on your agenda? What's exciting you about the rest of the day and the uh, you know the, the next phase ahead? You've got plenty on. Where's the excitement? Yes. Um, well, what I'm loving right now is being able to connect again, I think, with people in real life. Um, you know, we got to connect in real life, Ian, and hopefully soon we will also, Jamie, um, get to meet. Mm -hmm. I love the virtual studio, but um, I'm really... I'm just super energized by being back in sort of the, the real life groove um, and balancing that, I think. Um, I'm loving the fact that I can work from home and take my daughter to school and, and um, you know, have a bit of balance. But also, I love getting with the team and spending time in real life. And I can just feel that the creativity and the excitement is starting to 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 come and we're better I think now virtually also because we're sometimes together also physically and I think finding this balance of how we're going to work um, reconnecting with people in real life is is really something I'm feeling excited about and I can see that it's going to be um, a catalyst I would say for some great new ideas I think that will come forward in the future so that's what I'm thinking about at the moment outside of just the business perspective. Wonderful. Well, listen, we've talked about connecting a lot. And I think that's maybe one, of, if I had to sum up in one word, it is this idea of connection with the brands, with your customer, with colleagues, with markets. Um, that's the alchemy of it all, isn't it? That is. Well, we've come to a natural pause. <laughs> Megan, thank you for uh, taking us on such an interesting journey, uh, just showing us behind the scenes some of the thinking, the approach uh, at Zalando. 
And as ever, it's been a, a total pleasure chatting. So thank you so much. Thank you both. I look forward to speaking again soon. Well, that was actually the quote from my, my first mentor. And he said it in French, but il faut provoquer son destin. But yeah, I think this is, this is something I'm thinking about a lot right now. <laughs> so well, when I first moved to France, um, yeah. this car, the Megane from Renault, was just coming out. And so, I mean, I just couldn't avoid it. Every time I called someone, they would be like, Megane, <laughs> like the car, advert, you know. Nicole, Papa, Papa. Nicole, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> They're still doing it. No. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of it in there anyway. Yeah. Never mind.